His scriptures is found in Romans 15, 5 to 13. Dear God, be with us and have the Holy Spirit in us as we read these scriptures today. And thank you for the break of the weather. And we all endure it in your name and help Pastor Chris. Thank you. It's, it's Rome 15, probably on 1765, verse 5. May the God, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement with you give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I will tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As this is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praise to him, all you people. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God and hope fill you with the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope for the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, buddy. We live in a culture that likes things that go fast. For many years, I lived down in Indianapolis. My family was down there for about five years, and we lived all of uh, about a 10-minute drive from the Indianapolis 500 racetrack. And uh, uh, the month of May, there was all about the sights and sounds of the track and what was happening. In fact, senior skip day, do they still have senior skip days in high school? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, where'd you go? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that senior skip day idea, we actually went down to the racetrack, to the Indianapolis 500, and it was always on what they called carburation day, which is when they made their final adjustment to the cars before the race. And so you would see every car that was going to be racing out there, and, and their top speeds pushed 200 miles an hour. And it is an incredible thing to witness. Sometimes I think we approach the Christian life in a similar fashion. We want things fast. We want things to be exciting and, and to all of a sudden be full of all sorts of fruit. And, and what we end up missing out on is that the Christian life is not so much like the racetrack. <laughs> it is much more of a slow pace. It has in it patience and endurance 
It's part of why I love the blessing that, this, uh, that Betty read for us at the very beginning of this passage. Uh, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Did you notice that? I don't know about you, but endurance is not necessarily one of those gifts I want. Anybody want endurance? I mean, we normally want things to be resolved. We want things to be fixed. Some of us can't help it when we hear a problem. Our first response is, how can I fix it? But instead of saying that, what we hear from God is he is the one who gives us endurance. The long road. It's actually something God's been modeling since the beginning, if you think about it. I mean, way back in the beginning of the biblical story, God creates Adam and Eve, and he creates this this beautiful creation that's intended to flourish. Everything coming together in Adam and Eve, we don't know how long, but not too long into the story, they decide to go their own way. And God could have intervened in a way then. He could have wiped them out and said, I'm starting over. He could have found some quick solution to the problem of sin that entered in. But he didn't. He set out on a long road of redemption. And in fact, the whole Old Testament time period is really telling the story of God's long endurance to redeem his people and in fact to redeem his whole creation and the work he does leading up to that time of Christ to bring God's people back into relationship with him, to undo those effects of sin and and to bring in a new way of life. God is a God who not only gives endurance but who models endurance for us. There's a phrase that goes around from time to time. You may have heard it before. Be kind, because everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Anybody know about great battles? Sometimes those great battles are internal, aren't they? They're not ones that other people see. Sometimes we can actually show up here on church on a Sunday morning and, and be full of smiles. Whether, what, it doesn't matter who's greeting us at the door. We walk in and, and we have the smile on our face and we act like everything is together. And inside we're, we're carrying a heavy weight. In fact, sometimes we would say we're crumbling and falling apart inside. It's hard for us to hold it together, but, but we want to come here and make sure that everybody knows we're okay and so we smile We pretend everything's just fine. I don't know what the great battles each of you are fighting. Some of you have shared your great battles with me. Some of you have shared your great battles with each other. But but each of us has a battle that we carry with us, a, a struggle that we are going through, whether now or at some other point in our life. And it's those spaces we enter into that we start to wonder, where is God? When's God going to intervene? When's God going to fix this mess we find ourselves in? When's he going to show up and deliver us? People in Rome that Paul's writing to were in that type of space. They're on the early end at this time period, just before some of the great persecutions break out against the Christians. They're in a, a culture and a community that that sees itself as having all the answers that the world needs. 
Roman Empire at that time was, was coming close to the height of its power and influence, and it was the place to be. And Paul's writing to them about how to live a Christian life inside a culture that thinks it has all the answers. And in this context, there's a whole bunch of division there's Jews on one hand who, who come from the faithful tradition and, and there's the Roman Gentiles who obviously, by the Jewish standards, don't belong to God. They're outside of the covenant promises. If you notice in this text, the, the largest part of this text is actually dealing with that division between Jew and Gentile. And part of what happens here is something that Paul does in, in no other argument uh, that he makes in all his letters. He pulls verses from each part of the Old Testament to emphasize that God has a place for the Gentiles within God's kingdom. He pulls from the Psalms, he pulls from Deuteronomy, he pulls from 2 Samuel, he pulls from Isaiah. He's, he's drawing from the prophets and the writings and, and the history books and he's saying, listen, all along... All along, God's been doing something, this great endurance of God. He's been at work doing something to bring Jews and Gentiles back together so that all people may experience the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. All people being brought into God's body. Part of the reason he spends so much time on that is because the gift God's giving them of encouragement and the gift of hope that's promised at the end of this passage is found not in some abstract place. The gift he's giving them is found in each other. Listen to this. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another then. The therefore that lies under this text is because God is the God of endurance and encouragement. Because God is the one who has given us his grace in Jesus Christ. The response that he calls us to is to live in this endurance, to live in this encouragement is to be a people who accept and embrace one another. And in that culture, there wasn't a greater divide than Jew versus Gentile. It was the division line that kept people, that, that defined holiness. And here, here God's saying to them, the encouragement you need for the road ahead of you is found in each other. It's not a new message for Paul. In fact, he says it elsewhere. He uses some of the same language. Be of the same mind as Christ Jesus had. Or have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he pulls that up in Philippians. Just before he describes how Christ descended from heaven, took on human form, became a slave or a servant among us, and was willing to be obedient to God even to the point of death on the cross. Be of the same mind. Accept one another in Christ Jesus. Welcome each other in. Embrace each other in. This really comes out uh, of God's character and God's heart. Psalm 103 puts it this way. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. 
It's somewhat hearkening back to that Old Testament passage way back in the beginning where God sees Adam and says, it's not good for man to be alone. And it goes into this explanation about marriage at that point, but the idea in it is, is we're not meant to be individuals isolated by ourselves. From the very beginning, what God has done is brought us into community and his compassion for us is something that gets passed around and gets shared in community with one another. So I'm going to give us a bit of a homework challenge, an invitation, if you will, this morning. We have up here, up front, these wonderful cards. Don't you love these? They have our church logo on it, all that, nice and shiny. The other side is blank. <laughs> these are great little cards simply to write a note to somebody else, to be that encouragement to somebody else. You know, so often we stand around and we want somebody to minister to us. And part of what God is saying to us in this passage is, I've given you as a gift to others to encourage them, to build them up, to draw them in, that they might experience the grace of Christ. And what we end up discovering is, as we pass that encouragement around to others, we ourselves are built up. I recall a time when I was in university, and uh, my first year of university, I didn't have a job at that point and was pretty broke, and I went to my mailbox just before Christmas break, and inside it was $40 cash and a little note saying, go buy, your, go buy a present for someone in your family. I cannot tell you how much of a difference that made. I didn't go home empty-handed that Christmas break. I went home with gifts to give. They were small gifts, but gifts to give. What we are called to do, where we find the encouragement and joy in following Christ, is as we pass on the goodness of Christ to others. As we take on that same self-sacrificing towards others. And one simple way to do it is to write a note of encouragement. So after the service, feel free to come on up. Walk up here, take one of these. There's even envelopes with it. Write a note to somebody else in the church. Just a simple note. Pay attention. If you don't know who to send the note to, pay attention the next few weeks and then write the note. Write a note to say, hey, I see this in you. I just want to say I was thinking about you and praying for you. I just want to say I noticed how you were talking with so-and-so and I appreciate the way you were talking to them. It encouraged me. But take the time to become a people to encourage one another. As we take that step, I invite us to do a second thing as well. We've talked about it before. In fact, Brian's been encouraging us, uh, Brian Dykema, when he's talked about how do, we, how do we kind of grow as a community. One of the things he said to us as elders and as council members last year, and then in May he put it out in front of the whole congregation, Take one time a month where you invite somebody over who you don't really know from the church. Just one time in the month. It can be for a coffee on the warm, hot days coming up. It could be just to share a popsicle on your front porch for a little bit. But invite somebody over. Invite somebody over and just be that encouragement of, hey, come on over. Let's spend a little bit of time together, share some popsicles together, enjoy simply being God's people together. 
These are the small, tangible things that help us to live together as God's people, that help us to grow together into the grace of Christ, that help us to experience this endurance and encouragement that God offers us. It's not always in the big crisis moments. It's often much more in the gentle, steadfast daily moments that we begin to share and experience the love of God together. And what gets me is the end of this passage, as, as it concludes, there's really a, a blessing that gets added in as well. Paul, Paul expresses his desire that, that as we come together, as we begin to, to encourage one another with the same attitude of mind that Christ Jesus has encouraged us, that together, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that last bit. We may overflow with hope that the God of hope would work us in us in such a way that we overflow with hope. For those of us who fight great battles, that word hope is a precious word. It's what keeps us going. It's what gets us up in the morning. It's what gives us the strength to fight another day. Hope. And not just a little bit hope in reserve, but hope that overflows, that floods our lives, that spills out from us in the midst of our struggles into the lives of the people around us. That hope that we are not our own and have not been left alone but that we belong body and soul to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and through him, we belong to each other. And because we belong to each other, we can experience the grace of Christ day in and day out as the people of God. Brothers and sisters, let us encourage one another, participating in that long, steadfast endurance of God our Father and overflowing with the hope of the Holy Spirit who is already at work in us in all of this because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, you are the great God, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the patient God, who instead of condemning us in wrath, has come alongside us to redeem us and rescue us from our sins to deliver us from the mess that we have made, and even to deliver your creation from the brokenness that we have allowed into it. Thank you. Thank you especially for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for demonstrating your love for us and in sending him to us even while we were your enemies. Thank you for reconciling us to yourself. And thank you for giving us the gift of each other that we might demonstrate and practice with one another that same attitude of mind that Christ Jesus had, that we might spill out in, in love and joy and peace and encouragement as we come alongside each other and walk with each other in the light of your grace. And we do pray, God, that you, the God of hope, would give us hope that you would cause your hope to well up within us and overflow through us and, and spill out beyond us. That whether in our coming and going here in this building,
whether in each other's homes or in our work, whether here in the city of Hamilton or, or in Jerusalem or elsewhere across the world where you bring us, that in all places we might overflow with the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit who is at work among us.